We're two self-care experts, a massage therapist, and a licensed professional counselor, husband and wife, and parents of three, business owners and working professionals, who have intimate experience with stress both professionally and personally. Our podcast aims to teach the everyday professional how to live through the stresses in life while learning to be their best in life. your host Tiffany Story and thanks for tuning in to Living the Stress Life podcast. So I am flying solo this evening. Uh, my co-host Lamar Story and my uh, my husband decided that he needed a little rest today. So we are letting him rest um, but have an interesting topic this evening. So I appreciate you guys tuning in. Y'all let me know if you guys can hear me. Um, I want to make sure that I am able to also see comments. So if you can hear me say yes or thumbs up or something. Also, for those of you guys who are tuning in um, via live or the podcast, whenever we do our, um, recording our live every week we also record our podcast so if you hear me pausing or anything like that thank you um thank you alicia for letting me know that you can hear me um so if you hear me pausing or saying hold on it's because we also uh, record our podcast uh, and our podcast drops every wednesday you can check it out on anchor uh spotify um uh, Google Stitch or whatever podcast player that you have on your phone. So we're going to hop into today's topic. And today's topic is 40 acres and a mule. I know that many of you guys probably saw that topic and was like, what is this going to be about? I assume that most of y'all thought, hey, we're going to be talking about uh, reparations. Yes, I will hit reparations, but like really briefly. But today we're really going to be talking about building black wealth and what that looks like. Um, I'm sure that we have heard this discussion more and more um, today. There's been a lot of talk about, you know, um, historical events such as Black Wall Street and um, people talking about the Tulsa riots and the importance of black wealth in the community. And so we're going to kind of talk about today what does that look like i want to start off by playing a video so hopefully um my video this week does a little bit better than last week but i appreciate you guys tuning in and let's get started let me bear with me for a second as i share this video it's a late idea is go to school, get a job, work hard, save money, get out of debt, and invest for the long term in the stock market. So why would you save money when they're printing trillions of dollars? The gap between the 1% and 99% is massive. You see, it's not just money. You have to step back and look at the bigger picture. So what do you do? In every one of those is a poor person. There's still a poor person inside me. There's also a middle-class person, and the middle-class person wants security. They want that steady paycheck. There's a rich person. And they're all inside of us, except that it's not taught. You're taught to go to school, get a job, and get a paycheck. You're not taught to how to get rich. If you're red, rich dad, poor dad, my rich dad refused to pay me. He said the paycheck was one of the most damaging things you could take in your life. He says, the moment you take a paycheck, you're an employee. And that's the mindset. So my rich dad never paid me. I drove my poor dad, you know, government employee, nuts. You got to pay people. You got to pay people. And rich dad was not saying that the paycheck was bad. He says he, he didn't want to be a slave to money. So as an entrepreneur, you know, if the, the rich dad folded, I just turned on the company. I don't need a paycheck. I don't need anybody to take care of me. If my government doesn't like me, I move to another country because they need entrepreneurs there. Mm -hmm. So the entrepreneur is not so much the business. The entrepreneur is really the mindset and the skill sets and the different set of rules. You see, I don't operate. Small business does not operate in the same rules as big business. 
Entrepreneur is a mindset first, a skill set, and rules. And depending upon whether you're an employee or a small business, mm -hmm. the rules are different. The mindsets are different. The skill sets are different. I can say one thing to somebody who's never been an entrepreneur, and they're thinking about making the leap of faith into becoming an entrepreneur. What could you tell them? Well, I'll just tell them the same thing that happened to me. You know, my last paycheck, I still remember it clearly. It was one of the worst and the best days of my life. And I was in Puerto Rico. I was, in, I was working for Xerox. And my boss gave me my last, it wasn't a paycheck, it was a bonus check. I think it was about 30,000 bucks. Taxes. So I got this check and I went, holy heck. You know what I mean? So I was excited, but I was also disturbed. And so this other guy comes up to me, his name was John. And John says to me, he says, you're going to be back. I said, why? He says, because you're going to fail. I looked at him and said, look, a few expletive words. Because that's what he did. He left Xerox, failed, and he came back. And I said, look, da-da-da, you fail and you come, came back. But I'm going to fail and I'm never coming back. And that's the attitude. Do you know what I mean? If, yeah. if, if you say, well, if I fail, I'll go back to mommy and daddy, then that's what you'll do. So if you fail, that's when I became an entrepreneur because I had no money. I had no money for years. You know, I didn't have a paycheck. But that's what my rich dad encouraged me to do. He says, when, you're, when you don't have this paycheck, you get hungrier, smarter, and it's a test of your character. Will you become a crook? Will you become dishonest? Will you cheat and steal? Or will you become a better human being? So really, that's the benefit of becoming an entrepreneur. You really find out who you are when you don't have anything. So let's talk about that clip for a minute. Uh, for those of you guys who have not read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I strongly encourage you to read the book. The book is really good. Um, shout out to Lamar Story, my husband, because he put the whole family onto that book. Um, maybe two, three years ago, I think we as a family kind of read the book via audiobook. And you can hear or listen to the audiobook, the complete audiobook on YouTube. So if you just um, search Rich Dad, Poor Dad via YouTube, you can look up the entire audiobook and listen to it. Um, he and I, whenever we had the kids in the car on the way to work and school in the morning, we would actually listen to Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And it was some really interesting, um, interesting points that he discussed in that book. First of all, when, when you think about the discussion today, I want you to get out of the mindset of us talking about reparations because 40 Acres and a Mule, our discussion today is really not about reparations. It's really about a mindset. And I think that was really important what he discussed in that clip is that being an entrepreneur is not necessarily about going into small business. It's about a mindset. It's about a mindset, a skill set, and and understanding a set of rules that you apply to life and that you use to navigate through life. And so today we're really talking about um one, what's the difference between being rich and being wealthy? Because a lot of us use that term interchangeably, rich and wealthy. But when you actually take a look at what it means to be rich and what it means to be wealthy, there are some clear distinctions between those two terms. Also, we're going to look at what are some barriers to us as a black community actually being wealthy or actually having wealth. And then what can we do um, for those of you who are similar to my husband and I, we have three children. And what we think about is what is our legacy? What are we leaving for our children so that our ceiling is actually their floor? And so we're going to be looking at some things that you can do to actually develop wealth. So that's what today's discussion today, um, today's discussion is about. But when you think about wealth, it's all about mindset. And so today's term of the day is really mindset. So let's get into the discussion. There are a few things um, that I, I really researched when I was looking at how to discuss this topic and what was the best way to approach the topic um, when we started talking about wealth. And I think the, the first place I want to start is pretty much defining for you guys the difference between being rich and being wealthy. So 
when you think about rich, um, most of us think about big houses and fancy cars and name brand clothes. And really, being rich is associated with materialism. Um, when I looked up the definition or how being rich is defined, it says rich being rich is defined by one, having a lot of money. And two, you're able to afford fancy, expensive purchases. But being rich means you have access to um, liquid assets or cash. So being rich is all about how much money you have access to and about materialism. It's about what you can buy. Um, and it's really rooted in keeping up with the Joneses. But being wealthy it's different. When you're wealthy, you can buy fancy things. When you're wealthy, you have a lot of money. But the difference in being wealthy and rich is really um, the primary difference is time. And I'll break that down. When you look at time, we're talking about sustainability and we're talking about duration. Um Sustainability is how long can you extend your desired lifestyle into the future, right? The longer you can extend living the way you want to live, purchasing things you want to purchase into the future, that's that's when you cross over from the category of being rich into being wealthy. But it's not just how long can you sustain that lifestyle. It's also about how long does that lifestyle last between generation and generation. So, oh, and the major difference is, can you live this lifestyle without fear of running out of money or without having to compromise the way you want to live? A lot of times when you're rich, you may have to make compromises here and there because your money is finite. Your money has an expiration date or you have a certain dollar amount where your money will run out or where you have to adjust the way you live. When you're wealthy, your wealth can either extend over your entire lifetime or it can pass on beyond you to the next generation behind you. And a lot of us don't recognize that when we see people like let's let's use celebrities and I like to stick with celebrities because they're more accessible. They're more well-known. So it's, it's celebrities are people that we all have in common because we know who many celebrities are because of movies, music, whatever, right? When we see some of these big name celebrities, a lot of times we look at them as being rich, but some of them are actually wealthy and some of them are only rich. If you look at the statistics, like I did some homework for a previous episode looking at statistics and we I was looking at statistics for um, like NBA players and NFL players and most NFL players go broke, I think, within one year of leaving the league because they're rich. And they have a certain lifestyle while they have that money coming in. When they're in the league, they're renewing these contracts, meaning every time they renew a contract, that gives them an extended period of time where they have access to millions of dollars. But the moment they leave the league, they're still maintaining the same lifestyle, whatever that lifestyle is, fancy cars, you know, blowing money at the strip club, um, expensive vacations, expensive bottles of wine, expensive restaurants, right? But the moment their contract ends, they either get traded off the team, they get let go, they get injured, or they retire. They don't have the same amount of money coming in. And if they don't adjust their lifestyle, it's only a matter of time before they end up like the common American. They looking for a, a way to make money. But when we think about wealth, those players that are able to one transition into other careers, they figured out that's another way to capitalize off of their fame and their notoriety. But they also understand that there has to be a flow of money to be able to maintain the lifestyle. And some of them are not willing to let go of the lifestyle. So understanding the difference between being rich and being wealthy is important. Well, I thought it was real interesting when I... um. When I did my homework on this on this topic is um, a few few of the articles I read talked about how they surveyed people and they were asking people, how much money do you think you have to make, earn or have to be considered rich? And the common number was one hundred thousand dollars, which I was like, 
$100,000 is really nothing. But here I am, you know, you know, being a small business owner, uh, a, a homeowner, having children, three children who are approaching being college age. Like when you think about how far $100,000 goes, it really ain't a whole lot. But that was a common number. But that number is actually relative. And that's that's kind of what we're going to get into today. There's really talking about some of the barriers but before we can even talk about the barriers, we have to address the wealth gap. And I don't know how many of you guys have heard the, about the wealth gap, but the wealth gap is basically the gap between um, different races or ethnicities, nationalities um, when it comes to wealth. And so when I actually did my homework on this, I was like dumbfounded by how large the wealth gap was between African-Americans and whites and whites in, in any other race. I mean, Hispanics and Asians and, and, you know, Hawaiians, all of them were grouped into one group. It really broke down blacks, Hispanics and whites. Um, and anything that didn't fall in that category kind of just got grouped together. But I was like really, really amazed at how large the wealth gap is. So first of all, the, the the number this was done in 2019 um it was done by let me let me look the federal reserve system so there was a study uh, or an assessment done in 2019 to actually look at the the mean and median wealth based on race and individually the median wealth for a white individual is about 188,000 when you look at blacks for individual wealth, ours is $24,100. Hispanics actually exceed African-Americans or blacks. Theirs is $36,100. Now, when you look at the family mean, meaning like um, cross-generation. So think about like your, your great-grandmother, your grandmother, your mama, and you. Right. When you kind of take a snapshot of the family's mean um, wealth, it was nine hundred and eighty three thousand four hundred dollars for white people. Now, when you go over to black people, it was one hundred and forty two thousand five hundred that we not even touching white people's us, our family. The mean for the family don't even hit white Americans individual median wealth. They're still forty six thousand earning, having forty six thousand dollars more in terms of wealth than what we have as black families. That means cross generations, which is was really disturbing to me. And so the the statistics say we own less than fifteen percent of the wealth. And if I think about it, I'm like, who owns most of this wealth? We got people like Oprah and 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 Gail and you know maybe the Obamas and you know these big name celebrities. These are people that are probably holding most of the wealth. But then when you go into Hispanics, Hispanics, Hispanics have even exceeded us to having one hundred and sixty five thousand five hundred thousand dollars in wealth. So. There's a huge gap. If you look at white families having almost a million dollars for their family wealth to us having a less than $150,000 in the African-American or black community, you realize how big the disparity is when it comes to owning wealth or having wealth. So today's topic is really going to be centered around like, What's the major barrier to us as black people not having wealth? Like, if we trace this all the way back, we could trace it all the way back to slavery. Like, we already know that slavery was not ended because there was a whole group of people that felt like black people should be free, right? Slavery was really ended because of economics. You had the North versus the South. The South was where all the wealth was. States like Georgia and Texas and Louisiana and Mississippi, Alabama. The wealth was here down South because most of them owned slaves. But when you went up North, you had the North was considered more progressive. 
And so the whites up north who were entrepreneurs or business owners were not on, uh, earning as much money or could not compete with the South because the South had slaves. So the Civil War was not really about ending slavery as much as it was about economic equality, right? Look at my husband tuning in, y'all. He tuning in like he's just a regular person, like he ain't supposed to be sitting in this other chair. He said, I, Lamar's story said, I think it may have to do with the resistance to partnership amongst African-Americans. Everyone wants to have their own instead of partnering for the greater good. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that. You have jumped ahead of me, but you are absolutely correct. But historically, when we talk about... um when we talk about why black why slavery was ended it was ended because it came down to economics then when slavery was ended there was no reparations we were promised 40 acres and a mule but we didn't get that and then everything that has kind of um everything that has kind of occurred since the end of slavery um everything that has occurred after slavery was all about economics so that's the part that we really need to focus on when we look at wealth is the systems that are in place and the systems that are being maintained really focus down to the haves and the have nots and all about getting from being a have not to a have and falling from one category to the next. And so let's talk about some of those barriers. The first barrier to us in the black community not having wealth goes back to us having a late start. So if we think about the fact that we didn't have those reparations, when we think about the fact that we didn't get those 40 acres and a mule, at the end of the day, it's really our our issues with wealth in our community has a lot to do with we had a much later start. You got some families, when we think about places like if you're in Birmingham, Alabama, one place that we know um, or a, a particular neighborhood or area in the Birmingham city area that is associated with wealth is Mountain Brook. And I'm sure that if you looked at these people's lineage, a lot of families that are in the Mountain Brook, they money loan money, right? You could trace some of their money back to slavery. You could trace some of their companies and the owners of those companies back to slavery. Well, us as African-Americans coming out of slavery, we got a late start. So you have this whole race or this whole group of people who had hundreds of years ahead of us. So again, going back to that number, when you look at the, the, the mean family wealth for whites being almost a million and then the mean wealth for families in the black community being less than $150,000, it's because they had hundreds of years head start. But it's also because... We were not educated on the same things that we're educated on. So when we start talking about wealth and building generational wealth for our families, we really have to focus on those barriers and steps to overcoming those barriers. So with us having a late start, there's no family inheritance. We didn't inherit no land. We didn't inherit no business we didn't inherit money many of us i won't say all of us because we have outliers of course there's always going to be an outlier because after slavery we had a lot of skilled um blacks right that's how unions came about the unions came about because white people could not compete with black laborers so they created unions to basically force jobs to give them certain rights or to give them access to certain things because blacks were taking all the jobs because if you've been a slave and you was forced to work for free and learn skills of course when slavery ends you're the first person in line for a job and because white people still see you as less than human you could get a job faster than a white person so Certain systems that were put in place were put in place because black people were taking all the jobs. But because we didn't have any family inheritance, we have we were not able to catch up and earn this, uh, and have the same level of wealth that many white people did. Lack of discipline. I really want to talk about this lack of discipline. So many of us. When we spend, we spend kind of just like aimlessly. We don't really focus on always purchasing things that we need. We purchase things that move us in the moment, which, 
you know, hey, I get it. Like, especially when you've worked hard to earn the money, you should want, you should be able to do with, with your money what you would want to do with your money. But the the reality is without discipline, it's difficult to, to build wealth. It's, and, and it's impossible to get rich. And so when we talk about things that you need to do to build wealth, you have to kind of counteract or, or deter just aimlessly spending. Because if you spend more than you earn, there's no way for you to build wealth. You got materialism and societal expectations. And I think this one is a real big one. Like, especially with TV and social media being a huge influence on our lives right now, a lot of us are trying to keep up with the Joneses. You got a lot of Hollywood or a lot of media influencing the way we live our lives. You know, if I think about this whole trend of like plastic surgery and and people getting their bodies altered and things like that, not knocking not knocking anybody that chooses that route. I recognize that there are things that are very difficult. Sometimes people have limited time to be able to work their fitness goals. So if you are a person who has gotten plastic surgery, this is no judgment. But I do want to acknowledge that a lot of things that a lot of decisions people are making when it comes to, you know, plastic surgery or getting, um, what's those things called? Uh, people getting fake teeth. I can't even think of the name uh, for the fake teeth right now. People who are um, altering their teeth and altering their bodies, the lashes, which I ain't going to even get on that because I wear lashes, or the hair weaves. A lot of it has to do with trying to compete with people who we ain't even in the same tax bracket. Like We compete with people whose money is a little bit longer than ours. They can drop $1,000 and not blink, right? So, but there's. Thank you. Thank you, sis. Thank you for tuning in, Maisha. Yes, veneers. So you got a lot of people out here altering their appearance, but they're altering their appearance to keep up with the Joneses. Well, you spending more money than you making or bringing in, it could be a real issue. So I believe that a lot of people who are getting these body altering surgeries and different things like that, they're they're choosing this option and that's your right to choose that option. There's no judgment about that. But have you stopped to consider how much of your decision making is being influenced? And these people are preparing. Like, I'm not going to lie. They're preparing for the amount of money they have to drop. But we're talking about thousands and thousands of dollars that are invested in changing your physical appearance. We have thousands and thousands of dollars going to these huge weddings and baby showers and photography, right? And after you spend that money, do you have the same amount of money in your bank account? If you don't have the same amount of money in your bank account, as the amount of money that you spent on a wedding or you dropped on a baby shower or a trip, then you have to reassess, are you really working towards wealth? Because you out here flossing for the gram, you out here flossing for Facebook. But once that trip ends, once that event ends, what's in your bank account? And so people who don't have discipline, people who are focused on materialistic things and keeping up with societal expectations, it's killing your ability to be able to actually get rich and gain wealth. High debt. One thing that I thought was really interesting, and I never really considered this, is we all talk about student loan debt. Um, we talk about, I mean, there's tons and tons of information about credit card debt. Credit card debt is high interest debt. Okay, so when you think about a barrier to building wealth or becoming rich, if you're spending a lot of money trying to pay off debt and it has high interest, more of your money is lining the pockets of that business than it is actually paying the principal. If you don't know what principal is or interest is, this is a good time for you to like note that down and look up interest. Uh, principal is the amount of money you actually borrow and it's paying to, that that's your debt. Interest is the amount of money that people have charged you to borrow money. So for example, if you go to your cousin and say, let me borrow $100, they say, sure, I'm gonna I'm a let you borrow $100. But for that $100, you're going to have to pay me 50. 50 is the interest. That's what they charge you to let you borrow that $100. That's a steep fee. So if we broke that down to the interest rate, 
pretty much you're paying like a 50% interest rate because 50 is half of 100. That means you're paying half of what you borrowed on top of what you borrowed just to be able to borrow money. So high interest debt is a, a huge barrier to people being able to get rich and gain wealth. But what I found interesting when I was like really just doing research on this topic is there are specific career paths or, or professionals who get targeted by financial industries, specifically when it comes to loans and lines of credit because of their profession and their professions are high dollar professions. So when you think about doctors and lawyers and surgeons and a dentist, these people that are following the medical profession, um, probably those were the ones that jumped out to me, but I'm sure we could think of some other, you know, some other professions. Um, and feel free to suggest some if I, I overlooked, but suggest uh, uh, professions that bring in high amount of money. They're making, you know, their services create charges for thousands of dollars or um, their transactions. We're talking about thousands, a hundred thousand dollars exchanging hands. Those professionals are targeted because these these creditors know they're going to get their money because they're bringing in a certain amount of, uh, of money. But they're targeting the, these professionals to get them into debt because they know that. And if you are somebody who is wanting to be an entrepreneur and venture out on your own, one of the mistakes that people make is getting a, into a lot of debt. And you know, I think, you know, me and my husband have kind of shared in different platforms about how as African-Americans, we don't have access to capital. And one of the hurdles that we had in really building our business is having to use loans for to start our business that had higher interest. And it's really a disservice because you can't see the return on your money or you can't see the profits like you want when you're having to utilize companies that have higher interest charges. So high debt is is a huge barrier. Taxes. The more you make, the more government takes. And many of us don't realize that when, you know, we, I, I don't know if I can't remember that biggest small that say uh, more money, more problems, right? The more money you make, the more problems you have. That's true. But the more money you make, the more the government takes. And so when I was looking at the research, it was like most high earning people pay about one third of their income in taxes. That's a significant amount. So if we divided that into, let me. Now, let's say you made $90,000 for every $90,000 you earn. I know that's a small number. So uh, not, let's say 900000 because that's close to a million. For every $900,000 you made, the government is taking 300000 That's like one third of 900000 That's a significant amount of money. So when we get frustrated about how these different... um people that lobby in 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 um at Washington DC or at the White House and uh they're lobbying for all these tax breaks for these millionaires and these millionaires are getting tax breaks it's really because the more money they they make the higher their tax responsibilities are then you have things like inflation meaning the cost of goods and the cost of of doing business or living is rising um, I mean, many of us have heard our parents talk about how gas used to be 40 cent. Like, what they do to that? Like, I have never seen gas be a 40 cent in my lifetime. Not that I can recall now. Some of y'all on here may have seen gas be 40 cent. I ain't seen that. And I was born in 1982. Um, but I have seen gas rise from like less than a dollar to being $4 in some places. That's inflation. Then you have investment mistakes. And baby, I can tell you about a whole lot of investment mistakes. But many people, especially those entrepreneurs, can really attest to when you try to build wealth and when you're trying to earn more money, you may invest in things that cost you money. You might invest it in your cousin Junebug's business because you believed in Junebug and he was always the smartest one. He was a straight A earner and whatever. Um, 
or you invested in something like stock. You know, I remember learning about stock in college. Uh, I've not really played with the stock market like I should have and could have, like when I really learned about stock. But people have invested in stock and lost money. You got people who um, took riskier investments when it came to retirement plans. And when we had the, the market crash back in 2008, a lot of people lost money. Uh, out of their retirement, had to prolong their retirement. So investment mistakes are definitely something that could prevent you from being rich and developing wealth and emergencies. One of the things that really, truly annoy me when I think about emergencies in the black community is when I see GoFundMe from a person who's lost a family member in 2021 insurance life insurance really is not that expensive depending on what type of life insurance you have whole life insurance and then you have term life insurance and if you don't know the difference look it up so that you really understand the difference but whole life experience uh, life insurance is insurance that you purchase that um does not end or run out at a certain time Term life insurance may only last to, let's say you get term life insurance and it says that life insurance lasts until you're 85 years old. That means after 85, that insurance expires. But term life insurance is much cheaper and whole life insurance is, is more cost effective if you get it when you're younger right? If you get it for your kid or you get it when you're in early in adulthood, it's significantly cheaper than as you get older because as you get older, they anticipate health challenges and health changes and health issues and stuff like that. But getting term life insurance is not, not as expensive depending on how old you are. But we have so many people in the black community who don't have life insurance. And it's understandable if you have a job that does not offer insurance benefits, why you wouldn't even think to to get insurance. But in 2021, we got to do a better, better job about that because we have emergencies. And the biggest emergency I can think about is death. Death happens, car accidents, shoot. I mean, Birmingham, we have a shooting every day, okay? So we have all these life events happen, and then people are going out raising money, and that's killing people's pockets. That's killing people's savings accounts, and that is a barrier to many of us developing wealth. And so when we think about emergencies and the type of emergencies that we encounter in our community, health-related violence-related, poverty-related emergencies, we got to do a better job because many of us can't hold on to money. And I can think of very specific incidents, you know, since me and my husband have been married where we've lost a family member or an emergency has happened and what money we were saving, it wiped us out. Like it literally wiped out our savings account having to account for this emergency. So that's a huge barrier. So those are seven barriers that I name. I'm going to go back through those. I'm going to just recap those. The seven major barriers to many of us in the black community developing wealth is we have a late start because many of us uh, are starting later in life. Depending on what career you choose, if you're a doctor, you don't actually start earning money until like you're almost 30 because it takes you so long to get in school to get through school also many of us don't have we don't have a family inheritance so when our folks die we ain't getting grandma house we ain't getting no land we ain't getting no life insurance policy many of us have a lack of discipline we spend it more than we earn it we live in paycheck to paycheck and sometimes we ain't even living paycheck to paycheck we doing payday events and cash loans and um what's the thing title loans so Lack of discipline, spending more than you earn is a big deal. Materialism, trying to keep up with societal expect societal expectations. You got high debt, and specifically if you're a doctor or an attorney or a field that brings in thousands, a hundred thousands of dollars, many of those professionals are targeted by financial institutions. We have taxes because the more money you make, the more money the government takes. Uh, inflation investment mistakes and emergencies so if if you are trying to develop wealth 
how do you do that? Given the barriers, given that there's a huge wealth gap, given that many of us come from families and neighborhoods that don't know the difference between wealth and being rich, how do you actually develop wealth? So these are our tips of the day. First step, create a spending plan. That's very simple. It's as simple as how much money do I make? How much money do I have to spend? And when I say have to spend, I mean on necessities like your rent, your utilities, car note, insurance, food, gas. You should know how much money you bring it in and how much money is going out. So creating a spending plan is really, really important. And what are your financial goals? Like, what are you working towards? That also needs to be included in your spending plan because when you're talking about how much money you're spending every week, you want to think about how much money you should be saving or what type of lifestyle you're trying to achieve. If you're trying to save for college, a house, vacations, new car, whatever it is, those things should be included in your spending plan. How much money do I have left over after I meet my, after I pay things that are necessary for me to just exist and live? Then after that, how much money should I be trying to set aside or can I set aside for my financial goals? And then how much money after I've done pay for necessities and after I've saved can I spend, right? So creating a spending plan is your first step to building wealth. That also touches basis on discipline. It makes you more disciplined. If you create a plan and you're sticking to that plan, you are creating discipline. And we know that we've all heard that it takes about 21 days to create a habit, right? This water. Okay, let me just let y'all know. This water. So... It takes about 21 days. So anything you do beyond 21 days is supposed to come a habit. So the more you stick to a plan and actually utilize this plan, the more successful you're going to be at being disciplined. Number two, spend your money wisely. Where you spend your money matters. And so I got an example early when I was talking about a barrier to wealth is lack of discipline or materialism. And so, you know, today we have prom, weddings, baby showers, my plastic surgery, all these things are things where we spend money. Investing in your body and your health is a, a huge investment, but it depends on how you invest in your body. You can invest in looking good and that's completely your choice, but you also have to invest in feeling good in your body working the way it's supposed to work. So when you spend money investing in your health, it's not a waste because you got to be able to live in order to create wealth for your family. But when we start talking about things about weddings and baby showers or birthday parties, you know, like we got a lot of people we see in social media and in Hollywood, people dropping $10,000 on a one year old's birthday party. You got a, a a a Disney World themed birthday party or a zoo themed birthday party. You got live animals. Your baby's one. If you got it, hey, it ain't tricking if you got it. But if your baby's your child's first birthday party cost you five thousand dollars, and after that party, you do not have five thousand dollars in your savings account. You did not spend your money on something valuable. Those pictures, your child's not going to remember unless you have pictures. And those pictures is only going to say, hey, my mama loves me. But think about if you took that same $5,000 and put it into a savings account or some type of college plan for your child. That $5,000 used in that way is way more valuable. And so when we think about spending we got to really account for where and how are we spending money. You going on vacation, that's great. And I'm all for vacation. I think that is money well spent. But it's also important that you have other investments and that you have your money going elsewhere, something that's going to push you towards your financial goal. 
Number three, paying off high interest debt. The first thing that comes to mind for me is credit cards. Many of us know when you first, like especially back in the day, it used to be really easy to get a credit card. When many of us went to college, they kind of changed the rules a, a, a lot since when I went to college, which was with, with in the early 2000s. I'm sure people before me that was going in the 90s, like getting a credit card was really, really simple. But for us black people who really didn't understand credit, you get a credit card, you ruin your credit as a freshman in college because you don't understand the way that credit cards work. Well, those credit cards usually have high interest. So paying off high interest debt, I think Dave Ramsey is a good person that really talks about debt. He talks about being debt free. And, you know, I don't necessarily know about all of his approaches, but I have heard different approaches that Dave Ramsey have talked about. And so I definitely encourage you, if you want to know a little bit more about paying off debt and high interest debt, you check out Dave Ramsey uh, because I think he gets some really great tips. I've seen people that I, I follow on social media, people that I, I don't necessarily know, but I there are local people that I, is a friend of a friend who I know have used some of Dave Ramsey's strategies. I know a few people personally who are friends who use Dave Ramsey uh, strategies and they've been really effective in them paying off debt and them having access to more money. So paying off high interest debt is important and avoiding getting into high debt. You know, as especially, you know, that's forefront of my mind we have a, a kid that will graduate next year um he's still debating my oldest son is still debating whether he wants to go to college or not that's a possibility he may want to go to college and one thing i want to do as a parent is start him off right for one we begin to teach him about finances and credit and credit and stock market and all those things but our goal is for him to come out of college without having a high amount of debt so when you think about building wealth one of the one of the barriers is debt. So you want to pay off those high interest debt. If you find yourself in debt, sometimes you have to go into debt to accomplish goals. If you got to get debt to go through college, hey, there's there's no judgment there. Do what you need to do. But there should be some plan put in action or put in place for when you begin to earn money to really pay off that debt. Create an emergency fund. This is where many of us go wrong. And I, when I say create an emergency fund, I also think about insurance. I'm going to touch on that again. But life insurance, accidental insurance, excuse me, disability insurance, all those things should be included in your emergency fund. But creating an emergency fund is about setting aside money enough money to cover your expenses in the event that you become ill you lose your job or something happens like i'm a homeowner i'm not a, i'm not renting so if my stove dies my dryer dies my air conditioner unit goes out i don't have anybody i can call necessarily and say replace this i do because i have a home warranty but at the end of the day if I didn't have a home warranty, that money has to come out of my pocket. So an emergency fund is, is about first covering your expenses. So if your monthly expenses, rent, utilities, gas, car notes, insurances, all those, let's say it comes up to $2,000 a month. Most people start with just trying to do an emergency fund for 30 days. So that means if something happens, I have at least $2,000, if that's my amount of expenses, to cover me being able to survive for 30 days without having to borrow money or go into debt. Once you achieve saving enough money or setting aside enough money to cover 30 days, then you move that forward. Most people move to three months, then six months, then a year. Those, those saving that amount of money begins to cover if I lose my job, if I fall ill, if there's an unexpected pregnancy, whatever, unexpected illness. But you also want to budget for insurances. And so while you're saving, if you have a job, especially where, you know, you could get injured. And I can think of a number of jobs. You know, if you are a garbage man, if you are a construction worker, if you are a um, 
police officer or a firefighter. There's so many jobs where you're at greater risk of being injured. You should have some type of disability insurance, short-term or long-term disability insurance. You should have some type of accidental insurance. You know, places like Aflac offer insurances. And I remember my first time having a friend, a college classmate, who my first time hearing about Aflac insurance she was a DHR worker and she signed up for it. And it was something that was being offered through DH, uh, I think through her working for DHR and they deducted it from her check. Um, but it tends to be a group plan. Um, so if you have your own business or you work for a major employer and you feel like their benefits package is not that awesome, you know, if you have access to the HR person or whoever the benefits person is, talk to them about getting Affleck because it costs Affleck because it doesn't cost the employer any money. Now, they may deduct it out, out of your check and due processing and payroll, but it doesn't cost them any money for you to have that type of insurance. So, though, that's important. Um, Got two more investments. This is where a lot of us really are less knowledgeable. We're not knowledgeable because many of our parents, again, weren't taught. They were not taught about investments. Most of them were taught to get a great job and set up a retirement account. A retirement account is considered a great investment. So when you work for a company and you're an employee, you want to look into some type of retirement plan. And usually that's offered through your job. If it's not, there are plenty of companies where you can set up your own retirement that is not tied to employment um, or set up your own account. That's yeah, that's not tied to employment. But many of us don't know about IRAs. Many of us don't learn about the stock market. Those are great investments. Real estate. You don't have to be a real estate agent. You don't have to flip a house to be able to invest in real estate. There are so many different options when it comes to real estate. But the important thing to know is you have to invest your, your money. Investing is about growing money. That's the whole point of savings account. And a savings account is not going to give you the type of growth on your money that you need to actually earn money to be wealthy. Like I think it pays like 1%. So if you think about having $1, it pays you one cent on $1. If you have $10, I think that's $1, right? So having a savings account is not going to generate enough return for you to become wealthy. You have to diversify. And diversify meaning having different types of investments, having money uh, growing in different places in order for you to gain wealth. Most of the world's wealthiest people, they have a diverse portfolio a portfolio is their different investments different accounts that they have different businesses that they have i mean think about a portfolio when you think about an artist it's, it's a show of their work right so most wealthy people they don't just have their money in a business they don't just have their money in a, owning a home they have their money in different places if you are a renter own a home, purchase a home. Don't just purchase a home though. Many of us have been taught to purchase a home and just stay there. But depending on what state the market is in, you can purchase a home if you get it for less than market value. Let's say the houses in your neighborhood are all going for $100,000. And then there's a house that come on the, park, on the market and may need just a little bit of cosmetic work, maybe some paint, you know, a new new faucet, a couple updated handles or change the carpet and put some hardwood floors. Let's say a house comes on the market for like $80,000. That's a great investment. Buy the house, pay a handyman to come in or some type of uh, contractor to come in and make a few updates. You may spend two, $3,000, but then you could turn around and sell that house. And because you sell that house after a few years, you make money. Many people gain wealth by investing and owning a home. It's you're paying a mortgage versus paying a rent. And every month when you make a payment, it actually deducts from the amount of money you owe. It deducts from the debt. Home ownership is an investment. Now, it is great if you get into a home and you 
pay your your mortgage off. If you ever find yourself in a situation closer to retirement where you can't afford to be in that house and you sell the house and you've paid the mortgage off, yeah, that's going to be a lump sum of money going back into your house. But many people just use home ownership. They buy a house for the current economic uh class they're in when they get more money or they need a bigger house they sell that house they get a little chunk of money off of that and they move into a bigger house and that's how a lot of people get wealth so learning that you have to diversify and have different investments is important and then protecting your assets with insurance most of us in the black community are slow to learning about life insurance. But many of our white counterparts have inherited wealth by their mama and grandma dying. Let's say granddaddy had a $500,000 policy. Granddaddy may not have owned or may not have had debt on a lot of stuff when he died. So he had a $500,000 life insurance policy. He died on the only owed maybe $50,000 in debt. After that $50,000, whoever's responsible for his estate, if they have to pay that $50,000 off, that's $450,000 minus, you know, burial costs. Let's say it took them $20,000. You got $430,000 left that goes into your bank account. White people are inheriting wealth by people dying. Investing in life insurance is one of the best investments that you can make for your children. If you can't build wealth any type of way now, you can't grow your money, get a decent life insurance policy. If you don't pay nothing else, pay life insurance. That is important. But protecting your assets, if you own a business, making sure you have adequate insurance so if something happens to you, your insurance paid to covers that debt and your family has money to live off of. That is important. That's it. That's it for me. Like when we talk about building wealth in the black community, it's really important that we understand that the rules to this whole wealth game were not set for us. But we're late to the, we late to the game, but we have access and opportunity to to information, resources, and and funds that we used to not have access to. And so, it's important if you're trying to create a, le- a legacy that you shift your mindset. And that mindset it has to go from spending money and buying fancy things and having these things to impress people to having things and owning things of value like i think about uh i don't know if it was beyonce and a uh, jay-z song family feud but i can't remember what song it was actually it might have been family feud but he was just talking about how um you know owning things like art we we don't understand that simple things like coins me and my mom the other day were looking at some coins that my grandmother had and things such as owning silver and owning gold owning artwork owning even something as simple as baseball cards and comedy uh comic books like the comic books and and cards that we used to think nothing of they were a childhood thing those things are appreciating in value and if they were well maintained like you kept them in a sleeve you serious about nobody handling your comic books or handling your your baseball cards or whatever kind of trading cards those things appreciated value you can make money off of those but then if you trade those in and get the money then you should be sending that money into some type of account that's going to earn more money but you got to shift your mindset and, and stop thinking that it's just about working at a job. Everybody's not meant to be an entrepreneur. And I'm not knocking you if you're not, uh, you know, you're not driven towards owning your own business. But just because you're not an entrepreneur don't mean you can't be wealthy. You have to, if you're going to be an employee, if you're going to be an employee, you got to make your money work for you. And realize it's means to an end. It's means to the lifestyle you want even if that lifestyle is after retirement. And so 
building wealth is about a mindset and it's about creating a plan and working that plan and spending less than you earned. So I appreciate y'all tuning in. I hope that you guys got something out of that. I know this was a shift or a change from uh, us talking about relationships. We have one more podcast for season three that we will be doing next Sunday. I'm going to try to make it a good one. My co-host Lamar Story will be back next week, hopefully. Um, He was cooking dinner, though. Like, I ain't going to even lie. I I really appreciate him. I don't have to cook dinner today. I'm going to get off of here, and I'm going to go downstairs and eat. He probably going to be asleep for the rest of the night because he done spent the whole day doing stuff. But it's been nice that I don't have to do that. So next week, we'll be back. We'll probably do another podcast on relationship wrap up for season three um and then get prepared for season four i am working on a book hopefully the book will be ready to drop next week after next week's podcast and i hope you guys um invest in my book um and if you've enjoyed this podcast share it like it Give me some feedback. I'm also going to be doing a poll on um, some things you guys would like to discuss. I really want this podcast to be interesting and engaging for people. And I appreciate everyone who's been tuning in and supporting us. That's it for me, guys. Hopefully, I didn't go too fast. If you felt like I went too fast, you can go back and rewatch this live. Or you can check out the podcast. It drops on Wednesday. So until next time. Live your best life, living through your stress life. Peace.